And good morning, church. Good to see you all here this morning. My name is Pastor Carlos. For those of you who don't know me, I am the pastor of worship and discipleship. Actually, I do what they tell me is basically what happens around here. So it is great to be here with you this morning. Pastor Errol was officiating a wedding last night. He was preaching in Morris this morning. And so I have the privilege and the honor and opportunity of being here with you and introducing our new series that begins today, Flow, Blessed to Bless. Flow, Blessed to Bless. We're gonna explore the spiritual reality in this series that God provides for us, He gives us gifts and blessings so that we can bless others. Being real with God, real with each other, and real in the world means that we go out into the world and we give the world the forgiveness that God has blessed us with. We give the world the grace that God has blessed us with. We love the stranger and the outcast because we were the stranger and the outcast until Jesus came and saved us and brought us back home in his love to our Papa God. Flow, blessed to bless. And we're gonna talk about flow and blessed to bless as it relates to giving away our faith, as it relates to generosity and serving. But this isn't about like getting more volunteers or a fundraising campaign. We're gonna talk about this from the aspect of a discipleship issue and recognize that This is a kingdom principle that has been a part of God's character and work for all eternity. And we're going to start, kick off the series by talking about comfort. And we're going to hear from the Apostle Paul, things that he has to say about comfort and comforting others. Paul, who set out to persecute Christians until Jesus saved him, and then Jesus used persecution and hardship in Paul's life so that Paul could be a blessing to others. So if you have your copy of the scriptures with you, I'm gonna invite you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter one. 2 Corinthians chapter one, and we're gonna read from verses three through 11. 2 Corinthians one, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians one, verses three through 11. So if you're able to stand with us, would you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm starting at verse 3. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they're troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you also will share in the comfort God gives us. Verse 8. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. 
And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. And you are helping us by praying for us. That many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, and you may be seated. So what does it mean to be blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? I got a promotion. Finances are not as much a worry anymore. Hashtag blessed. My car loan was approved. I finally have the keys to insert your favorite make and model here in my hand. Hashtag blessed. I just got a great report regarding my health from my doctor. Hashtag blessed. The kids, oh my gosh, the kids, they were so obedient today. Hashtag blessed, hashtag miracle. What does it mean to be blessed? Listen to the word of God, a few verses about what it means to be blessed as we think about that question. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's nothing here in these verses and in many other passages in the Bible that indicate that material gain or preferred circumstances or good health or miracle kids equals hashtag blessed. And it's popular in our culture, right? You see it on social media and you hear people say it, you know, I'm so blessed, feeling blessed. And usually you hear that um, in response to some kind of earthbound reality or experience. But I like how one author describes what it means to be blessed. She writes this, Scripture shows that blessing is anything God gives that makes us fully satisfied in him. Anything that draws us closer to Jesus. Anything that helps us relinquish the temporal and hold on more tightly to the eternal. And often, it is the struggles and trials, the aching disappointments, and the unfulfilled longings that best enable us to do that. Earthbound gifts of financial stability, health, a new car, are all fleeting and they can change or vanish in a moment. Now, when they are present in our lives, we need to give thanks to God for these are gifts and they represent his kindness and his mercy and his faithfulness in our lives. So we thank God for those gifts. But that definition pushes us into a deeper place in our journey with Christ. To be blessed is to recognize and affirm God's sovereign, loving presence in and through all circumstances. So the question for me and for you is, what is ultimate in my life? Do I enjoy with gratitude the conveniences and the relative peace that I experience in many areas of my life, or have I made those things 
ultimate things. In other words, is my understanding of God's character and nature and how he blesses informed only by my earthbound experience? Is my understanding of God's character and nature and how he blesses informed only by my earthbound experience? So with that in mind, we're going to talk about flow, blessed to bless. And we're going to approach it this way. Flow is God's forever plan, flow and our inner world, flow and comforting others. So flow is God's forever plan, and we see that in God's character and in creation. So a bit of theology here, we'll get through it. It's easy to talk about, hard to grasp, but so important to reflect upon. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct persons. Each person is fully God, and there's only one God. God is love, the scriptures declare. So whatever else we can say about the Trinity, we can say that within the Trinity, there is pure other-centeredness. There is a mutual glory and exaltation between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's an eternal wellspring of love in the Trinity. What does this mean? This means that each member of the Trinity is in a continuous posture of preferring the other members in the Trinity, of exalting and magnifying the other members of the Trinity. We get this wrong in relationship, right? It's about power, usually, for us in relationship. But Father, Son, Holy Spirit, out of that pure love, that pure other-centeredness and holiness, God speaks the world into existence. With God, it, what love is preeminent, not power, it is love that is first. And out of that pure love and holiness, he created mankind so that they might share in his love. We're made in the image of God. That means we are made to point to the original, to our maker. Through worship, through obedience, through surrender, we're made to enter into the glory, into the flow of God's love by delighting in him, trusting him, loving him, glorifying him. Paul said it well. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Flow is God's forever plan. We see this in the call of Abram and the nation of Israel, the incarnation of Jesus and the church. In Genesis 12, God is speaking to Abram and he says this, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The love of God flows out into the world through Abram, who is set apart for the glory of God to bless all peoples on earth. And God does bless the nation of Israel, that Israel might bless the world through the promised servant, Jesus, the Messiah, who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Love flows out from the Trinity, and one night in the city of Bethlehem, a tiny baby's cry is heard. And that cry turns out to be a victory song over the grave, over sin, over death. In the Gospel of Luke, we read about Simeon, who's holding Jesus, the Christ child. Can you imagine holding the light of the world in your arms? And Simeon is praising God, and he says, 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus calls his church. And remember, the church is not a building. We talk about this here at Mission Bible Church. It's not an address. If you trust Christ, if Jesus is your leader, you are the church. And wherever you go, you are the church. We're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to be the very fragrance of the love of Jesus flowing out into the world through broken people who trust him for forgiveness and want to make him known. So Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And whatever that means, it means we are to encourage people out of the overflow of the love that is the Trinity. Love is preeminent. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Flow is God's forever plan, blessed to bless. And that plan is so huge. That plan is so massive that God decided the best place to put this gigantic plan is in your heart and in my heart. If we are Christ followers, we journey to learn how to display Christ more and more, beginning here, deep, in our hearts and then flowing out to the world. So how do we do that? Flow in our inner world. If we're to grow in our capacity to receive God's blessing and bless others, then we need to pay attention to our inner world. The degree to which we are aware of what's going on inside of us, our emotions and our thoughts, and integrate our spirituality with our inner world is the degree to which we will be able to both receive God's blessing and bless others, all for his glory. Let's read that again. The degree to which we are aware of what's going on inside of us, our emotions and our thoughts, and integrate our spirituality with our inner world is the degree to which we will be able to both receive God's blessing and bless others, all for his glory. So one day... An expert in the law asked Jesus, yo, teach, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as? Love your neighbor as? Love your neighbor as yourself. We will increase our capacity to enter into the flow of God's blessing to bless others when we become increasingly aware of what's going on inside of us. So you may ask, Pastor Carlos, what are you talking about? Are you saying that we're just supposed to be led by our emotions? Are you saying we're just going to blindly follow our feelings wherever they take us? Not at all. Not at all. We need to be committed to doing God's will, God's way. We need to read scripture. We need to love Jesus by obeying his commands and his commandments are not burdensome. We need to seek wise counsel. We need to serve in God's kingdom. And we need to acknowledge what's going on inside of us, our feelings, and recognize them as part of the way that God communicates to us, especially the difficult emotions 
of anger, sadness, or anxiousness. I mean, just think about it for a moment. If we are not present to ourselves, how can we be present to God or others? If we don't know ourselves, how can we know God or others? In other words, you cannot give what you do not possess. The state you are in is the state you give to others. You cannot give what you do not possess. The state you are in is the state you give to others. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians in part to defend his ministry as an apostle. His legitimacy has been called into question because of all of his weaknesses and his suffering. And Paul has also been marginalized for not being the greatest speaker in town. Not fun times for Paul. So I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians and read a portion of the passage we just read. And I want you to listen carefully to Paul's inner world, to how connected he is to his inner world, to how aware he is of the pain and struggle. Listen for emotion, the way he brings us into his inner world. He writes, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. We're not told the exact nature of Paul's troubles, but in the book of Acts and his other epistles, when you read them, you'll get a clearer picture of Paul's harsh, difficult, grueling journey as a follower of Jesus. So I want us to just for a moment reflect and think together about seasons in our lives when we are going through difficulty, those scenes in our lives when we feel absolutely crushed, those circumstances and situations in our lives that cause us to just feel absolutely overwhelmed, moments that for some of us we could not get out of bed, circumstances in life that were so hard so difficult that we didn't know how we were going to do the next five minutes. It'll look different for each of us, but each of us has been there. It may look like your marriage and your home shattering into pieces before your eyes and you never saw it coming. It may look like struggling with singleness and the stigmas of singleness that we sometimes can feel in church. It may be this underlying sense of a lack of purpose or worth or value that lasts for decades, leaving you numb, cold, and just lonely. It may look like outbursts of anger and frustration over the littlest things, and you minimize it or you ignore it, pretend like it's not there. And you're unaware that you are crushing the hearts and souls of the people that are around you that you say you love. It could be the loss of a loved one and the terrible agony and pain that crashes into our world when that happens. It could be the dissonance that comes from saying, I'm a Christ follower and I serve Christ. 
and knowing that you struggle with patterns of sinful behavior in your attitudes, in your lack of forgiveness, or, your, or in, your, in your actions. So let me ask you this. Did you ever tell anyone about those moments? This is not a conversation that begins, yeah, I'm kind of having a hard day. I mean, did you ever tell anyone about those moments? Did you tell God about those moments? He won't be surprised when you do. Were you able to be real about what was going on inside of you? Did you journey into your world of pain and recognize that in the midst of it all, God is still a God who blesses you through it and that he wants to birth something new in you through it so that you can be a blessing to others? Or did you go to worship services, attend Bible studies, listen to podcasts, serve on a ministry team? All super important things. But you might have chosen to do those things in order to avoid dealing with what was going on inside of you. Paul was fully present to Jesus, to his grace and love. He was resting in the provision of God's strength and power. He persevered under nearly constant persecution. How did he do this? Because in part, he was fully aware of what was going on inside of him. He felt the agony of rejection. He felt the pain of being falsely accused. He didn't minimize his pain. He didn't pretend like it wasn't that bad. He didn't binge watch a Netflix series. He didn't ignore himself by getting busy with ministry. He was able to receive God's blessing in the midst of difficult circumstances because he integrated the hurt and the pain and the agony he was feeling with his spirituality. And he joined God's plan of flow. He was able to be blessed and bless others. And how do we know this happened? It's that last sentence in that verse we just read. But as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely on God who raises the dead. I would not have finished the passage that way. I would have said, but as a result, I hopped on a bus and went to Kansas and became a farmer. And I don't know anything about farming. Or I would have said, but as a result, I didn't binge watch a Netflix series. I created a Netflix series. It's about a Puerto Rican pastor who goes to Kansas and becomes a farmer. He fails miserably. You're going to love it. Paul enters his pain. He enters his suffering. He feels it all. He integrates it with his journey with Christ. And he's open to finding God in the midst of it all. Now, how do we do this? How do we do this? Two encouragements this morning. Explore the iceberg. This is from Pete Gazzaro, pastor and author. Explore the iceberg. Most of us are aware of emotions and thoughts that are above the surface, right? So, you know, that annoyance we feel when our baggage is the last off the plane, you know, a baggage claim. Or when we walk in, we're ready to check out of the store, and there are like 472 registers in the store and one cashier. Those thoughts and feelings that we have in moments like that, they're the tip of the iceberg. That's just what's above the surface. That's what we're willing to like express to others, okay? But are we aware of what's below the surface? And some of us think about going below the surface and our reaction is, hey, no way, I'm not going down there. I don't know what's down there. I don't know if I can face it. I don't want to face it. It is dark down there. But here's the reality. Jesus is already there. 
Jesus is already there. We can forget, we sometimes forget that Jesus is fully human, that he experienced the full range of human emotion. And he wants us to explore the deep places of our lives because he's there and he wants to meet us there and bring healing and understanding and the flow of his love even in the midst of that darkness and trouble and out into the world for us to be a blessing. So here's a suggestion of how to begin to explore beneath the iceberg on a regular basis, once a week, twice a week, maybe more. Just get, get quiet, get a piece of paper and a pen, and just begin to reflect quietly in a spirit of prayer before the Lord. What are you mad about? What are you sad about? What are you anxious about? What are you glad about? Just reflect on those questions. For extra credit, share your answers with your spouse or a trusted friend, a pastor. Or if you go down there and it gets really difficult, share your answers with a therapist. Begin to discover what's going on, how God wants to meet you there. If I'm not growing in my own self-awareness of how God is coming to me below the surface, deep inside of me, that I'm gonna struggle to come alongside you when you have struggle when you have need. I need to learn how to connect with what's going on inside of me if I'm going to be able to connect with God and with you. Second, practical encouragement. Be open to God's presence in your life in adversity or affliction through prayer. Now here are two prompts. This first one I've used a lot in the past few months and years. God, how are you coming to me through this? How are you coming to me through this? That begins to take my turmoil, my pain, my disorientation, my confusion, my affliction into a question as to what God is doing in here. And that helps you to be willing in a spirit of prayer. Okay, God, how are you coming to me in this? What do you want me to see or learn or confess? Help me to be open to this affliction and to your work in me through it, that the hidden blessings in it might flow through me to others for your glory. Be open to God's presence in your life in adversity or friction, affliction through prayer. We're gonna close with just a couple of suggestions about how we might be able to comfort others. These are just three. You guys already do this, and I'm sure you can come up with 300, but these are three I wanna share with you uh, this morning. Comfort others through prayer, presence, and communication. Many of you know that my wife Ruth received a diagnosis of cancer in October of 2020. She underwent an intricate surgery at the base of her skull in November of that year. During her surgery, people here and elsewhere signed up to pray for Ruth every five minutes for a 24-hour period. Back in the operating room, when the biopsy came back, that report came back, 12 people in her operating room became still and silent when they were told it's benign. No cancer. Now, before her surgery, Ruth told her surgeon and his head nurse that you guys were praying for her every five minutes for 24 hours. And the silence in the operating room, the head nurse told us this, was broken when the head nurse asked the surgeon, is this the power of prayer? If I was there, I would have said, yeah, huh? Yes, it is. In the midst of the anguish, in disorientation of that journey, we felt the comfort of God through your prayers. If God has given you a ministry of prayer, be open to his blessing in your journey, especially when you're going through difficulty, especially when you are in anguish. Be open to what God is doing inside of you so that you might be a blessing 
to others. Comfort through prayer, comfort through presence. While in seminary about 100 years ago, Ruth and I became friends with Brad and his wife, also named Ruth. Brad and Ruth at the time were excited to welcome their first child, but their first child was born prematurely. Baby Rachel was so small that when Brad held her in his hand, her head was right about here, the base of Brad's palm, and baby Rachel's feet were right about here, just at the tip of his finger. We walked alongside Brad and Ruth through the anguish of that journey. Brad's Ruth had an easily corrected anomaly that caused baby Rachel to be born prematurely, and she underwent a simple procedure, and Brad and Ruth were able to conceive again. And because baby Rachel was born so prematurely, Brad's Ruth was required to spend her entire pregnancy at bed rest. She wasn't allowed to leave her home. As time went on, it became apparent that baby Rachel was not going to survive. So plans were made for the moment when it would be necessary to disconnect Rachel from all the medical machinery that helped to sustain her life. Brad's Ruth said goodbye to Rachel. She had to be at home resting. So my Ruth and I decided that we would make ourselves available to Brad and Ruth so that when that call came, we would go and be with them. My Ruth would stay with Brad's Ruth and I would go to the hospital to be with Brad to say goodbye to Rachel. After nine months and multiple, multiple surgeries, that call finally came. We went to Brad and Ruth's home. Brad and I went to the hospital and my Ruth stayed with Brad's Ruth. I remember the moment the doctor I remember the moment the doctor disconnected Rachel from that, all those machines. I remember being taken to another room with Brad, sitting next to him. We were both able to hold Rachel. We cried and we prayed. No words were spoken between us. <clears throat> I don't know why God did that to this day, but I've thought about baby Rachel so often over the years. Ruth and I have been, we've had the opportunity to be near people in struggle or in pain and just be there. Not say anything, not give a word of advice, just be there. Rachel taught me that. You may have been given a capacity to be with others, to be present to others in their heartache or struggle. Let me encourage you to Find God, especially in those moments in life when you are having difficulty, and be a blessing to others by being present to others. Comfort through prayer, comfort through presence, comfort through communication. Let's redeem texting. How about redeem texting? I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in texting. How about we use texting to just briefly, quickly send a word of encouragement and support to someone? I guarantee you that if you use that little silly tool to say to someone, I love you, I care about you, hit send, that'll help someone remember that God is with them in their struggle. Does anybody write cards anymore? Send a card. So sorry you're going through this. Love you. I want to encourage you. 
Man, that, that might help someone in that moment as they open that card and read just a few words. That might help someone say, wow, God is in the midst of this mess. How about a phone call? We have phones. We never make phone calls. I love you. I'm so sorry you're going through this. Do you want to get together and talk about it? If you, if you don't, that's okay. I just, I need to let you know I'm thinking about you and I just love you. I'm so sorry you're going through that struggle. You might be in that moment, the flow of God's blessing and love right into someone who needs to hear it in that moment. Be open to what God is doing in your journey so that you can be a blessing to others. Do you know Jesus here this morning? I want to talk to you if you don't know Christ. I want to invite you to receive Jesus and to join God's flow of love. Jesus sees your sin. And Jesus, now listen, he entered into the suffering and punishment that your sin deserved so that you can receive the blessing of the perfect life that he lived. Do you know Jesus? After we close, I want to just stay here in the front. If you want to talk about that, have prayer about that, I'd love to meet with you. And if you're listening online, send me an email. I'd love to start a conversation about that. Now I want to talk to believers. If you know Christ and you're here this morning listening online, are you exploring the iceberg? Are you dealing with what's happening in your world? Have you ever asked yourself, why am I so angry? Why am I so distant? Are you asking those kinds of questions? Are you open to seeing that God is in the midst of whatever is going on down here, that God wants to touch you in those places, that God wants to do something with that darkness or pain, teach you something and flow through all of that mess so that you might be a blessing to others? If you want to talk about that, I'd be glad to pray with you, talk with you. If you want to send me an email and start a conversation, I'd be glad to do that as well. I just want to close with two verses of Scripture that God just brought to me, and I'm going to share them with you. You know them, and I hope you'll listen to them as God's speaking to your soul right now. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And these incredible words from Psalm 119, I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous, and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort. According to your promise to your servant, let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I can only imagine the stories that are in this room in this very moment or the stories that are around the world as people listen online. God, we may be in the midst of trouble and turmoil, of doubt and fear. And Lord, in the mystery of your sovereign will, you have brought us to this very moment that we might discover you are for us, that out of the overflow of your love, you want to meet us in the deep, dark struggles of our soul. And so, Lord, whether it's our difficulty that we experience with our spouse, our grumpiness and lack of care or concern, whether it's the fear of the sorrow deep within us that we just don't want to think about, whether it's 
the way that we use power in relationship that has nothing to do with what you're calling us to become. Lord, meet us in our need. Help us to rely on you and not rely on ourselves because you have the power to raise the dead and to raise all that's dead in us. And we pray and we ask all these things in the name of Jesus, the Savior of the world, and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening, church. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.